Hello, I'm Peter Hockley. I'm an evangelist based at Oxford Bible Church. And today I'm going to share with you my personal testimony of how I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ back in December of 2002. The things that happened to me that led me to faith in Jesus. And my story really is a demonstration of how God has all power over darkness, over evil, and is able to deliver even the one who is sunk into the very deepest pits of sin and despair. So I was born in the city of Oxford into a family without any religion whatsoever. In my family growing up, we never went to church. Nobody read the Bible or prayed. Nobody said anything about God or Jesus unless they were swearing his name out of their mouth. But uh, this, was con this was good enough for me growing up. I, I didn't think too much about God, certainly not seriously. And I was happy to just go through the motions. But as a teenager, I became aware of a growing sense of emptiness on the inside of me. This unfulfillment, a dissatisfaction. The realization that something on the inside of me was missing. Something that ought to have been there was not there. But I didn't know where to begin searching to find that thing that was missing or how indeed I could put my hands on it. And it was about this time at around the age of 14 or 15 that I had a dream unlike any other dream I'd ever had in which I died and went to hell. Now think about any nightmare you've ever had. It ordinarily happens that when you have a bad dream it's always at the moment of death that you wake up, isn't it? If you're falling from a great height, it's always at that moment of impact that you wake up. It's always when the car crashes or the gun goes off that you open your eyes and find yourself awake. But with this particular dream, I died and was dead. And the dream continued. And I found myself in a place of darkness and fire. And I knew that I was lost and that I was in a place called hell and that it was my own fault for being there and that I would never ever get out. Now that dream stirred something on the inside of me. I wish I could say that it made me go running to church immediately, but that wasn't the case. However, it marked really the first time that I began to think about spiritual things, the bigger picture. And I believe it was the first time that God, as it were, tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, you need to pay attention because there's more to this life and there is more going on than you realize. But as the years passed, as I moved through adolescence towards adulthood, I got deeper and deeper into the world of nightclubs and drinking and partying, and I cared very little for spiritual things. However, by the time I reached the age of 20, I sat in my garden one evening and I did pray the first prayer in my life. It surprised me even as I prayed the words out of my mouth, but such was the emptiness on the inside of me. Such was that growing, aching feeling that something was broken on the inside of me. I sat in my garden that night and I found myself saying the words, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, because I might just be talking to myself, but if you're real, if you are out there somewhere and you care about me even just a little bit, please, please help me change my life because I can't live like this anymore. Now, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I wasn't thinking about churches or Bibles. I was just calling on God, whoever or whatever that may be. And what began that night was an 18-month journey of spiritual exploration, where I began reading all sorts of books and materials, things online, about all different kinds of religions and forms of spirituality. And that journey continued. That curiosity grew over the next year and a half, until the point where I was convinced 
that there must be a God out there somewhere, but how to find him, how to know him, how to touch him if such a thing is possible. And it was about that same time that I met the first real Christians that I had known in my life, three sisters who came to work in the same place where I did. People who were born again, spirit-filled Christians, the first true people of God I'd ever met in my life. And shortly after I met them and their mother, who they lived with, they moved house, interestingly enough. You see, they lived on the other side of town. But shortly after meeting them, they moved house. And the house they moved to was just five minutes walk from my front door to their front door. They were just a few streets away. We were practically neighbors. And I began spending more time with that family, even outside of work, and got to know them, and got to know them very well. And we became very close friends. And they shared the gospel story with me. They told me about Jesus. But even in the midst of my spiritual searching for spiritual reality, there was something about Christianity, something about Jesus that just made me feel almost allergic to it. I, I kept it at arm's length. I wondered how in the world sandal-wearing men in the desert 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any possible relevance to my life. So while I appreciated what their Christianity had done for them, uh, I told them in no uncertain terms that I myself didn't want anything to do with that, but I would stubbornly go on looking for truth in my own way. And so the story really picks up on December the 6th, 2002. It was a Friday. Late in the evening, I was in a late-night bookshop in Oxford looking for another book that might help me on my spiritual journey. And that night, I came across a book unlike any other that I'd ever found. It was written by an American man who claimed that he could write messages to God and that God would write back. That whatever the man wrote on a piece of paper, something would take control of his body, would, would manipulate him and force his hand to write a response. This process is called automatic writing. I had no idea that night that what this was describing was something occultic, something which the Bible forbids, which God expressly forbids in the scripture. But I read a few pages out of the book that night and was intrigued by what the man claimed this invisible spirit companion of his had to say. And the man was convinced that his spiritual companion was indeed God. And so forgetting all other books, I bought that book that night and I took it home and I read it almost cover to cover until it was about two o'clock in the morning. And as I say, I had not read anything like this book. It was extraordinary, complex paradoxes and spiritual ideas, spiritual philosophies that were laid out so simply in just a few sentences. Everything made perfect sense. The thrust of the book was that human beings are divine, that human beings are themselves God, that in the beginning God was all alone and knew everything that there was to know, but he had not done anything. And so dividing himself into millions, no billions of pieces, those individual elements of God, human beings, were to live on earth and do and experience everything that was to do and experience so that God himself would go from having knowing everything to having experienced everything. The message of the book was that we can live however we want, that there's no sin, there's no judgment, there's really no right and wrong because the meaning of life is to do everything, to experience everything, happiness, pleasure, despair, misery, good things, bad things. The book said over and over again, there was no such thing as heaven. There was no such thing as hell or judgment. 
And certainly the book said repeatedly there was no such thing as the devil. The devil was just an invention in the minds of men too afraid to believe that God could be so good he would allow them to do whatever it was they wanted to do without punishment. And I thought, hey, that's my kind of religion. That's my kind of God. But as it reached two o'clock in the morning and I was coming to the end of the book, I wondered, is this what I've been looking for for the last 18 months, having read so many other books, having listened to so many other teachers? Is this maybe what I've been looking for? And then I had a brainwave. There's one way that I can know for sure. I'll write my own letter. So getting a pen and piece of paper in a notebook, I sat on my bed and I scribbled a note to God. Dear God, will you speak to me like you spoke to the man in the book? You know how much I've been looking for you. Please, will you answer me? And I sat there at two o'clock in the morning and nothing happened. And I waited and wondered and nothing happened. And then I added more to the note. Please, will you speak to me? There was a real urgency because this wasn't a game for me. I was so empty on the inside. The echoing emptiness was screaming at me and I was longing for it to be filled in some way. And I was desperate for an answer. And I wrote more. Dear God, will you please speak to me? Please touch my life and change my life. But again, nothing happened. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where it seems like everyone else has all the luck, all the breaks, everything works for everyone else, but oh, it never works for me. And I sat there thinking that that night and I got angry, really angry. Why won't God speak to me? Why won't he help me? I'm crying and calling out to him. Why won't he do something for me? And I wrote a very angry letter to God that night. Why won't you speak to me? I wrote. You say that you love us. But look at the world around us, war and killing, children being killed and murdered, and it seems like you don't do anything about it. Your love is a lie. That was the last thing I wrote. Your love is a lie. You're an uncaring God. And with that, I threw down the pen and I sat there and I fumed and I thought, I've wasted my money. This book is, is another set of false promises. But it was while I sat there that night, fuming and angry, that was when it happened. Suddenly I found myself staring at the, the white paper of the notebook and I couldn't tear my eyes from it. Now I had never experienced a trance in my life, but in that moment I began to slip into a trance. It was like, it was like somebody dimmed not the lights but the whole world and the only thing in existence was me and that white notebook. Staring at the paper as it seemed to shine and expand and I could hear my breathing changing, loud and echoing in my ears. None of this frightened me as this sense of peace and calm fell upon me. And staring, unblinking at that notepaper, I watched as if I was standing behind somebody looking over their shoulder as my hand reached out, picked up the pen and touched down on the paper. And in swirling, spiraling shapes, words appeared, joined up with no spaces between the words, and the words said, it is of no consequence what you call me. And suddenly, just as quickly as it happened, a trance was broken and I came to myself, staring at those words, it is of no consequence what you call me. And I got to tell you, my friend, in that moment, I was terrified. And you might say, well, I, I thought you were desperately crying out for something to happen. I was, until something actually happened. 
And when something actually happened, I realized in that moment, hey, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't believe in, in angels and spirits and invisible creatures. This is Hollywood. This is the X-Files. This is TV. But I live in the really real world, and th this stuff isn't real. This is make-believe. And yet, something had supernaturally happened to me. And slowly, that fear gave way to curiosity and excitement. And I thought to myself, my goodness, this has really happened. This is real. I've called out to God, just like the man in the book, and now I've got an answer. And so nervously, I picked up the pen and I, I wrote the words, God, was that you? What do you mean? It's of no consequence what I call you. And then looking back at my angry letter, the last thing I'd written was, you are an uncaring God. And now the words that appeared, it is of no consequence what you call me. So I thought, that must be what he means. And so I wrote, you don't care when I call you an uncaring God. That doesn't bother you. And immediately I found myself slipping into that trance state again. And more words spiraled out of the pen saying, yes, that is correct. I do care immensely for you are my child and I love you. And I burst into tears because I realized, my goodness, I've done it. What I've been searching for, what I've been longing for, what I've been desperate for, I found it. This is it. And what began that night was a series of long and intensive trance experiences that continued over the next three nights as a back and forth conversation between myself and an invisible spiritual force that took control of my body, that possessed me. Those experiences continued over the next three nights. And for every question I wrote, an answer came back, confirming what was written in the book by the author, that there was no heaven or hell, that there was no devil, that the meaning of life was to do exactly whatever we pleased, that if we wanted to come back to life after death, we could be reincarnated with a, a new body and a new life. And the notebook began to be filled with these conversations over the next three nights. And so on the fourth day, having not told anyone about this experience, I decided I've really got to talk to someone about this. And I knew that the only people in the world that I could talk to were my Christian friends at work. So that afternoon at work, when there was a lull in activity, I pulled my Christian colleague to one side and I said to her, look, I've got to tell you something. I'm talking to God. And she looked amazed when I said those words. And I described to her what I've been sharing with you. And she looked at me, puzzled and confused. And as I shared more and more the emotion of what I had been experiencing, it overwhelmed me. And I began to tear up and I cried in front of her and was so, embar and so embarrassed and so ashamed I ran out of the room. And she came and followed me and she said to me, listen, because you cried, I know that this isn't a prank. It's not a wind up. You're not making fun of me. This is really happening to you. But she said, I've got to tell you something. I've been a Christian all my life and this isn't how God speaks to people. This is not the way that he talks to people and this is not the kind of thing that God would say. She said, I don't believe you're speaking to God. And I said, well, if it's not God, who is it? And I'll never forget the look in her eyes as she said to me, it's the devil. And the moment she said it, it was as if I heard a voice in my head which said, there's no such thing as the devil. And I laughed at her and I slammed my hand on the table and I said, there's no such thing as the devil. She said, you're speaking to the devil. I told her, 
He told me he's God. And she said, the devil is a liar. My friend ultimately changed everything with the next thing that she said. She said, there's one way that you can find out the truth. She said, the name of Jesus is the highest name that there is. And if you will just ask this thing in the name of Jesus Christ to tell you who you are. She said, this thing will be compelled to tell you who it is. And so that's what I did when there was a quiet moment during the work that afternoon. I went into the men's room with a pen and a piece of paper and sat in that small cubicle. I wrote down the words, in the name of Jesus Christ, tell me who you are. And what came out in that trance experience there in the cubicle were the words, you should have trusted me. Now, my friend, taking a break from work, had gone to the same bookshop where I had bought the original book. She took a look at it and she knew that I was in danger, immediately called her sisters and her mum, and they began praying for me from that very moment. Now, later that night, as I sat at home, I couldn't concentrate on anything. I felt this oppression, this heaviness, this cloud of anger that was swirling around me. And I felt as if something was saying to me, come and write, we need to talk. And so sitting in my bedroom with the pen and paper, I began the trance experiences again. But this time in this deep trance, my hand was writing furiously a list of all of my sins, all of my mistakes, condemnation pouring out of the pen to me. And I began to feel nervous and afraid for the first time during this experience. And I was screaming with my mind at my hand to let go of the pen, to stop writing. But it refused as more and more of this angry tirade towards me was coming out of the pen. Until finally, the words were scratched by the tip of the biro in large black capital letters. Yes, you fool. I am the devil. And I thought I'm lost. I'm dead because I realized in that moment that everything my friend had told me was true. Everything my Christian friend had shared with me was true. She was right and I was wrong. It was not God that I was speaking to. It was not God that I'd been having these experiences with over the last four days and nights, but it was a demon. It was the devil. And I thought, I'm finished. I knew in that moment hell was real. And I thought, there's no hope for me now because he has me. The pen I was holding in my hand turned and flew at my face and there was nothing I could do to stop it. And I stabbed myself in the left cheek and began to scratch and draw on my face. And then back to the page with the words, I hate you, I hate you. And I turned and I looked at my mobile phone that was right next to me because I thought I've got to call my Christian friends. And as soon as I looked at the phone, a voice roared out of the dark and said, if you touch that phone, I'll kill you. I'll make your heart explode right now. But what other choice did I have? I grabbed the phone and I called my friends and they said, we're praying for you. We're coming for you. And my Christian friend said, call upon Jesus now. Call upon Jesus and he will save you. And so I did. For the first time in my life, I called upon Jesus and I pleaded, Jesus, please help me. But a voice in my own head screamed and roared, Jesus hates you. You've cursed him in the past. You've blasphemed him. He doesn't want anything to do with you. But I prayed on, Jesus, please help me. Save me. I need you. Over the course of the next hour or so, in the grip of this 
demonic manifestation that was tearing me apart, I was certain that I was about to die and fall into hell. But with the help of my mother, who was in the house at that time, I was 21 years old, still living at home. My mother helped me gather up the, the notebooks that I'd been writing these messages in, the, all the spiritual books that I had bought over the last 18 months, and uh, we took them out and, and burnt them in the back garden, had a bonfire and burnt the lot. And I was able that night to go to my Christian friend's home and join them there where they were able to pray for me and help me. Now, the interesting thing, as I mentioned, is remember I said they lived on the other side of town, but shortly after having met them, they moved to that house that was just five minutes away from my own house. I believe that God moved them and positioned them in that place for that very night when I was going to need their help more than anyone's help I had ever needed ever. And so that night I found myself sat in their living room in an armchair, the biro pen and scratch marks still all over my face, and sat in that armchair. They had already prayed. They felt like they already had won the victory. And so no one said anything. My friend, her sisters, their mother, we all just sat in silence and just watched Christian programs on TV, programs like this, and no one said anything. And after about two hours of that, I suddenly realized that I felt peace and calm and all fear had fled away and there was no more fear in my heart. I realized that the voices, demonic voices in my head were gone and I couldn't hear them any longer. And so my friend's sisters went off to bed and the mother switched off the television and turned to me and said, so Pete, do you think that you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said to myself, what a question. How could I possibly wait a moment longer? I don't even know what it means to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I don't know what I've got to do. I don't know what's necessary for me to, to do right now. But I know, I know I'm ready. And so she began to tell me about the gospel message, that Jesus was the Son of God who had died on the cross for my sins. Because yes, I had sin that separated me from God. And that one day I would have to be judged for that sin. But there was a way, there was a way of escape. There was a way to have sins forgiven now. And that was because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross, taking my place, taking my sin and being judged for it. And she said, after three days, Jesus rose from the grave. And she said, he's alive right now, reaching out his hand to you. And she said, if we'll just pray in a moment and you'll call upon him, he'll come and he'll forgive you. He'll change you from the inside and he'll give you a brand new life. She said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. So we bowed our heads and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to forgive my sins, to come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. And friend, when I prayed that prayer, the moment I said, amen, everything was completely changed. I knew that I knew in that moment that the thing that I'd been searching for for all those years, I had it and I had no need to search anymore. The whole the emptiness on the inside of me was now filled. And I knew absolutely, certainly, that I was complete in Jesus. And as my friend's mother laid a hand on me and prayed 
and thanked God that I was saved and set free and delivered. I wept openly, without shame. Remember I told you I wept in front of my friend and was so embarrassed I ran out of the room. But that night in that armchair, at half past midnight on December the 10th, 2002, as my friend's mother laid a hand on me and prayed and thanked God that I was forgiven, that I was a new creation in Christ, I wept unashamedly, tears of pure joy and happiness, as my whole being was wrapped in warmth and light and peace, because I knew I had been saved by Jesus. And I heard the words deep in my heart, not the demonic words of before, but a, a still small voice which said, you're my son, I love you, I've forgiven you, you're free. That was December 2002, and I remain free even up to this day. And I want to encourage you, my friend, in the time that we have left. You might be away from Jesus. You might be far from God. You might never have known him. But I want to encourage you that just as he reached out a hand and rescued me, he'll do the same for you. Whatever your situation is, it might not be the same situation as mine. It might not be a condition like I was in. But no matter what it is, he is strong and his, he is strong enough. His arm is powerful enough, mighty enough to deliver you and set you free. So I want to encourage you, whatever situation you're in, wherever you are, even if you are a Christian and you've moved away from God, you've drifted from him. I want to say to you now, please don't delay. Call upon the name of Jesus. He is mighty to save. He is a strong deliverer. His name is a strong tower. And all those that run to it are safe. So call upon Jesus and receive him into your heart, into your life. And he'll transform you and he'll, he'll take you along a new path, a new life, such as you cannot imagine or believe. I thank God that Jesus set me free and I continue to be free and have been free for all these years. And I know that that thing that was missing in my life is complete because of Jesus. So I pray that my testimony has encouraged you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and put your trust in him. If you go to our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you'll see on the online shop all the different products we have available, books, CDs, DVDs. I just wanted to draw your attention that we have a number of special DVDs available on, on about different locations in Israel and uh, about Bible chronology and other subjects. On top of that, we actually have over 500 different DVDs available of all the TV programs we've ever done on different subjects. Now, there are too many of them to kind of list to you, but you can phone the office, you can send an email to us, uh, at uh, obc.church at yahoo.co.uk uh, and you can ask for a list of all our DVDs and then you can perhaps order the ones that take your fancy. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox 37 qh you can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products, where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.